0: As many of you uh, will know, in fact, the evidence was here today, our family has become more familiar with the world, the subculture really of Texas Little League Baseball. (laughs) One of the features of this subculture that I have most enjoyed and marveled at is the selection of walk up songs for eight or nine year old ball players, even younger. (laughs) Certain teams, really on top of it, have this amazing Bose speaker and then have a playlist, including player introductions and selected songs before each batter. Something like, now batting fourth, number 12, Grayson Cooper. And then a beat drops from Jay Z or Eminem, a song or something like that, maybe even an air horn like, bur, 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 bur. and the songs are invariably bangers, as the kids say. They're pump up songs meant to give you swagger and confidence. The other day, there was a kid who walked up and the song simply was the refrain, don't I look good. Uh, These are a lot of fun. And I have to admit, imagining, wouldn't it be nice for that in my own life when I'm changing the printer cartridge or doing laundry or something like that, don't I look good as a soundtrack would be nice. But these songs, whether they're rock or rap, they all share this certain story or theme. Could be What's Up Danger or Danger Zone or We Are the Champions. But the songs are intended to communicate. I'm a world beater. I'm going to make it happen. That's the soundtrack. That's the story as these kids approach the plate. Today, today we have the privilege of baptizing Bree, Mar, Ethan, Addy, Kiva, Emma, Johnny, Audrey, and Teddy. We have this beautiful privilege of baptizing each of these precious ones. But what is the story? What are the songs? What is the soundtrack into which they are being immersed? Today is also the beginning of a new sermon series here at Church of the Cross that Yah will be moving through over the coming months. A sermon series on Paul's letter to Christians in the city of Philippi. So in the next few moments, we're going to look at the New Testament reading, just these first verses from that letter, to consider these questions and prepare for these baptisms. Now, the book of Philippians was written by Paul from prison to Christians living in Philippi, a a colony of Roman citizens in modern-day Greece. And there are two somewhat surprising but particular themes that the apostle hits on that will emerge time and again over the weeks to come. They are, first of all, joy. What we might not expect as a theme from someone writing in prison, but 14 times the word joy or the verb rejoice will appear in this short letter. More times per word than any other book in the New Testament. Repeatedly, you will hear Paul exhorting his readers, exhorting us, rejoice in the Lord. And alongside that theme, the second one, perhaps unexpectedly, counterintuitively, is the theme of service. In these opening verses, Paul and Timothy are identified as servants or slaves of Christ Jesus. And this theme continues most famously in Philippians 2, where there's this beautiful hymn poem describing Jesus' descent, his taking on the form of a servant, and the exhortation to us, the church, to take on this same mindset. These two realities, joy and service, are a significant part of what those being baptized today will be immersed in. I wonder what the soundtrack is of your life. What are the stories that animate and guide you? What songs play on repeat in your heart and mind? For those who are in Christ, according to Paul, the story, the songs are ones of joy and rejoicing. Not that those who are in Christ are somehow exempt from the sufferings of this world or even, say, the challenges of mental health, anxiety, and depression. In fact, Paul will a number of times in this letter refer to his suffering and the suffering of other Christians. But he will say, in light of what God has done in Jesus, in light of all that has been accomplished, it is in a very real way right and good always and everywhere. To rejoice, to give thanks. And he expresses this remarkable confidence that even his sufferings will be turned out for his salvation, turned toward God's good purposes. We're baptizing young children, and we so wish that the promise was that they would live lives free of suffering, but that's not ours to grant. But in light of the gospel, they can be baptized in the confidence, the sure hope, that even in their difficulties, even in their sufferings, God is working for their deliverance, working for his saving purposes. It's common to distinguish joy from happiness. It's even done so on the bulletin quote this morning from C.S. Lewis. But it's often... This distinction is often made by relating the word happy to happenings, right? The circumstances of our life. The things that make us happy are happenstance. Whereas joy is understood to be disconnected from circumstances. There's an element of truth to this, right? Like you have a bad day, you're not happy, but you shouldn't be robbed of joy. But this distinction, I think, obscures the fact that our joy too is related to what has happened simply at a deeper level than the realities we see we experience in life paul's exhortation to rejoice is rooted in this sense of what god has done in christ rooted in how christ has served us unto death on the cross and for that reason now elevated to the highest place in the universe Now, Paul says, with confidence, drawing all things together in himself. These happenings, this idea that something has been done that causes us joy are referenced in a way in Paul's greeting that we have before us today. And in verse 2, grace and peace to you, Paul writes. He's adapting this common epistolary greeting, With these terms, though, that sum up the whole of God's action in history. Peace, shalom, from the moment of creation through the exodus, through Israel's struggles and failures. This has been God's purpose, the the right webbing together of all things. And grace, there also, all along in God's work, but especially now in the work of Jesus, the establishing of a new covenant unmerited favor, mercy extended to those who put their trust in him. Mercy is your song if you are in Christ, forgiven and restored, brought into new creation. It is into this story, into the hearing of these songs that those who will be baptized today are to be immersed In baptism, we are saying that these happenings, what God has done in Jesus, are the dominant features of our lives, of the lives of those who will be baptized. This story becomes normative. Songs of grace and peace become the soundtrack of life for those in Christ. And because of these happenings, because of what God has done, there is joy, there is reason to rejoice. Paul has that remarkable confidence that even in his sufferings, he is participating in some way in Christ's work. He can say with confidence that what was meant for evil is now being worked out for his deliverance. And time and again, repeatedly, he will say to you and I, to his readers, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I remember a few years ago when my son was on a younger baseball team. And I can't totally remember what, but he did something good. He hit a home run or something, and then the, uh, the inning ended. And so there was this moment as they, like, transferred to go play defense then. And I was on the stands watching him, and I don't think anyone saw him, or he thought that anyone was watching him. And I just saw him do this amazing, like, celebratory gesture, just like, like this or something like that by himself. Not for anyone else. Not bragging or anything like that, but just exultant, joyous at what he had done, what had been accomplished. That exaltation, that sense of just abandon relates to the theme of joy that Paul invites us to, the church. Exaltation over what has been done, not by us, but what has been done and is being accomplished now in and through Jesus. Joy at his victory over death and sin, over the sure hope of grace and peace in our lives and into the future. For the baptized, these are the dominant events. This is the story. These are the songs sung over you as you suffer, as you struggle, as you fall into sin, as you seek after the face of God that so often seems hidden, after, as you pursue his righteousness. The dominant realities for you are grace and peace in Jesus and God our Father. The dominant reality is God's victory in Jesus. Sometimes I think about the songs I might choose for my kids if they were up to bat. They don't seem like they would fit. Next up, Emmett Coelho. On Christ the solid rock I stand. (laughs) Next up, Lucy Coelho. Our sins they are many, but his mercy is more. (laughs) Next up, you in your life, in your home, your vocation, your place of work or study, that challenging moment when your patience is tested, when you're confronted by your own failure. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every one a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry? Perhaps the song would be, Let Us Praise Jesus. The washer of feet. We sing these songs that they might become the soundtrack of our lives. We sing them here that they might become the soundtrack of our lives out there. And that our lives might be brought in line with these normative realities. The truth, the happenings of God. That last one, the washers of feet, of course relates to the theme of service. If you're here with your child being baptized, that's your cue to go get them from childcare if you need. (laughs) Relates to the theme of service, which is also present in Philippians, which is also something that we will baptize these precious little children into. We are all of us immersed into a life of service. Psalm 111, what we just read, spoke of the people of God inheriting the nations. But the nations are inherited by the people of God, not by being conquering heroes, being world beaters, having swagger, but by service. As an overflow out of the abundance of the joy that is ours. In our gospel reading this morning, the risen Jesus says to the disciples, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And in what way does the Father send Jesus? How is Jesus sent? As we'll see in Philippians, Jesus is sent as a servant. And two times in John chapter 20, Jesus extends his peace to the disciples in that first encounter. He does it later on too, but in that first encounter twice, he says, peace be to you. It's as though the first gift of peace is to minister to them in their distress, their fear. But the second gift of peace comes with this commission. Peace for being sent, peace for the journey, peace For a life of service. In this same way, the grace and peace that is ours in Christ, the joy that arises from what he's done, are not simply for our fortification against the difficulties of life. The joy that is ours, the abundance of his grace and peace, is to lead to this life of service. To Christ, who was himself the servant of us all. It's a hard truth. In a few minutes, in a few minutes, you'll hear in the baptismal liturgy, the charge over each of these baptized children that they must persist as Christ's faithful servant to the end of their days. That is a sobering thing. Think of the pattern of Jesus' life. The word Paul uses is the same word that's used for slaves and bond servants. That doesn't feel like a particularly joyful reality. I'd rather be, don't I look good, all the time. Yet to live this life, the life of a servant to Christ, is to live in line with the grain of reality. It's to live in line with God's gracious and peaceful actions in history. It's to participate in his life, in the life of the one who, for the joy set before him, suffered the cross. It's the life of the one who accomplished our salvation, the renewal of all things, who conquered death and evil and hell by his service. It's the most true story. It's to live in line with the story at the center of all reality, to dance in line with the song that is at the center of all things. Jesus' way, the way of service, is the way to live Animated by the joy of what God's done for us in Christ and leading to rejoicing. Theologian Mark Oakley has described sin as an addiction to being less than yourself. The gift of God in Christ makes it possible to live as ourselves, as we were made, as we were intended. And Jesus shows us the way to be ourselves, to be truly human, is to be a servant. This is the way to live, the way of joy, the way of grace, and the way of peace, the way into which we are, we all can be, plunged, immersed, and baptized. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.